0: I haven't saved everyone, so why why create anything? My response says, you know, your job's not to save the world. It's just it's at best you can save yourself. If you can do that, you can save other people too. And uh, you know, just because you're not inspired right now it doesn't mean you won't be tomorrow.
1: How do you create when dealing with depression, grief, addiction, anxiety, or other mental health issues? When trying to create and stay well feels like walking through a labyrinth, how do you find your way? This is The Labyrinth and the Thread, conversations about creativity and mental health, for, by, and with people who love to create things and have experience navigating mental health. We talk about what works, what doesn't, and which threads they've followed. I'm Amelia Aldred, and I'm glad you're listening. Today, Danielle Tanamora is joining me from Chicago. She is a digital artist, Spoonie, and stay-at-home mother living in an age where everyone has to stay at home. Danielle, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Well, thank you so much for inviting me.
1: So just to get started, uh, what sort of things do you enjoy creating?
0: These days, it's been a lot of photography uh, when uh, I can really get to work. Digital collage has been the thing that I really found found my place in.
1: What is it about digital collage that really speaks to you?
0: It's kind of this niche that I fell into that happened to combine a lot of the things I already felt passionate for, had skills in, and I found out you could make art with it. And that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of the lightning uh, that that really got me going. It hadn't occurred to me that these tools could be like some kind of art.
1: Are there any subjects that are particularly interesting you?
0: A common thread through my work has been Taking, in a lot of cases, it's taking something you consider like figurative art and, you know, uh, mostly in female or androgynously femme sort of form and placing them into a different kind of context than where the image itself originated. For a couple of my series, you know, they relied on publicly available either photography from history or art from, you know, advertising and the nouveau style images from 100 years ago. At, at the time, it might have been like an advertisement for a play or for alcohol, but trying to elevate that figure to be a person in a space as opposed to just the figure of a woman selling cigarettes and just trying to reflect her in a an elevated sense of as an actual character within a story.
1: When you mentioned the idea of looking at this, this figure in a different way. And, you know, the context might've been, you know, selling a product, but then you're putting this person into a different context. And it made me think about how our art makes us see things differently. And it can be this, yeah. this doorway to that. Uh, it's one of the things that I love. I think that, that draws me again and again to, to other people's, you know, creative work is that it, it, I always feel that it's about as close as I'll ever get to actually getting to see the world through someone else's eyes, which is a pretty <laughs> profound experience when you think about it. There's something in your head that you, you know, put on, I don't know if I'd say paper, uh, Photoshop canvas. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, canvas. canvas on canvas. a canvas, yeah. Hey, um, that you put it on the canvas and now I'm seeing something differently because you saw something differently. And I, I, I just think that's, incredible. It's like about as close to magic Mm. as we get. And one of the things that I've thought about a lot and talked about a lot with folks um, on this podcast and outside the podcast is the way that their experience with mental health and defined broadly affects how they see their art and then how Mm. their art itself might reframe or affect how they navigate or see mental health in their life. Are there any ways that you see your creative life, how it intersects with mental health for you?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, they're like puzzle pieces that definitely they're not, not really any good way of disambiguating. It's hard to see where one ends and one begins, you know, they kind of blend because I can tell you there was the most prolific period for my art was when I was having some of the hardest time struggling with my own demons coming on on different fronts you know whether it was as i said in the intro i i I identify definitely as a spoonie as someone who suffers from chronic pain from all the way from back when i was in middle school but not really getting a solid uh treatment until i was around 30 you know so have all these feelings mixed up in it where i forget on top of the physical pain there's just the imposter of it there's the questioning of whether I'm masking enough to get through the day performing as a person, there's this anxiety around just life in general, separate from that. And it also, this it, all, all these feelings, you know, the physical and mental debilitating feelings kind of were the framework for when I, and how I got my art done. Cause I can tell you most of that art got done because I couldn't sleep until four, you know, I couldn't fall asleep until about 4am and it's not cause I wasn't trying I would, uh, take my meds and try to sleep. It wouldn't happen. I boot up the computer with an idea and I just keep working on the screen, you know, ice packs and heat packs and meds. And because if I'm not going to be asleep and my brain can't turn it off, I might as well start doing something or make something. So I'd just be kind of slumped in my chair, moving the mouse, using the hotkeys and losing myself trying to make something. And, uh, that it's, you know, I was, I didn't know what I was doing. And I definitely wasn't in a state of mind where I was like, this is exact this is what I'm trying to say. And this is what I'm trying to do with it. It was very much, this is getting me by, you know, because tomorrow I can say I did something. It was, I was, I would get into a flow state to try and escape what I was feeling outside of that space, you know? And then I'd look back and chan- look at it and be like, "Oh, I was channeling all of that stuff. Cool, that's good." Because it ended up being cathartic, but it wasn't some conscious, "I am making this art to deal with <laughs> how how terrible things are." The piece, you know, <laughs> there's no none of that. Um, and as you said earlier, it's it is fascinating to once I did actually, I never thought I'd get to put my art on walls. Once I started putting my art on walls and people wanting to see it or to have it for themselves, it was like. Oh wow! Okay, you see something in this. Something made it onto that frame. Uh, okay, and this is universal. You say, "Ah, uh, uh, okay." <laughs> I thought it was way out deep in space, but for that this is this is a good
1: thing. You know, describing the way that you were creating art while dealing really intense period of dealing with chronic pain, and later when it sounds like there have been not as intense periods. Did the way that you do art change?
0: Yeah, it, it certainly did. It's because I ended up, it's hard sp- speaking to that. It's like, you know, I just happen to be having a, a painful period right now just because the as we go into autumn, abruptly my body and my nerves are not happy about it, so it's you know it's the pain the lows are not as low as they used to be on a daily basis, but you know I don't have the tolerance for it like I used to, or whatever it is. but you know the the desperation art making not even with any end goal, it wasn't like i'm I must do this because someone needs this will I will have food on the table. It was just I'm doing this compulsively. And as a as a complete crutch, because I need this to keep myself sane, you know, centered. Because something has to come out of this, you know, that kind of feeling. As a as I was able to get better pain management, as I was able to find better doctors, better medication, better you know stability overall in my life. The art I ended up making. You know, the way I made it changed, it wasn't midnight sessions. I couldn't do that anymore and it wasn't didn't fit into my life anymore like that. Instead, it was the more deliberate, I am going to carve out an hour or two of time. And if I don't finish this piece in this sitting, it's fine. That's something that I used to do is I would, in four or five hours, I would finish a piece of art. And, you know, especially with digital, it's really easy to feel like because you know all of my artwork going back to 2005 I can go open up the original files right now and all the layers are there you know hundreds of layers in some of them I could go back and continue editing them now you know the the special edition of whatever I was doing but at a certain point I hit save and as a flat image and it's done you know but yeah as as I as I was able to find my tools to cope better, you know, I'd take my time. There wasn't that feeling of needing to rush.
1: Here's something that no one tells you about when a long-time mental health issue retreats. You have to relearn how to do a lot of things. And it isn't all swelling music and blissful montages. It actually feels pretty wobbly a lot of the time. But I don't believe that means we can't create under different circumstances. I have never been able to stop telling stories and I don't expect I ever will. But I do expect that I'll have to change how I do it. And I wish there were more advice out there about that process. As you said, you know, we do all these things to survive and you build this survival toolkit and that works, you know, until it doesn't, then you figure out what other tools there are. But then when the circumstances change, you end up having to build another toolkit or adapt it. And I feel like that's the part that you often don't hear about. Um,
0: yeah, in the art world, yeah, you know, it's the the people joke. It's like, stay depressed, stay productive. Like, that's the, <laughs> that's the you know, how, how you must be suffering for the art bullshit that uh, gets people uh, that, 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 they, that you joke about. You know, good only comes from suffering. Doesn't work out very well, and is not a long-term life plan. You know, it's you know, looking back, I I do look back at my old pieces in wonder. There's, how did you keep going? You know, that's the big question, because like I don't, especially when you're coping with pain, like your body doesn't remember pain well. On top of that your body doesn't remember the you know doesn't form good long-term memories around pain well because in the survival way you get bit by uh, by an alligator your your body's only response your mind is just avoid alligators that's a good plan you know like don't go there but it doesn't really try to record the experience of it because that's not very helpful you know Similarly, if you have chronic pain, it's like your brain, it doesn't function the same way. There's so much cortisol going through it that it basically sends whatever is going through it to the garbage because it's not healthy to hang on to, you know, so there is basically the the first piece that I consider part of me making art, you know, I still have it hanging up in, in our house, printed four feet wide, and I made it while I was having insomnia on our, you know, we had a college trip to Kyoto and took a snapshot that transcended a lot of feelings of identity and time and space. And I couldn't sleep, but I had my laptop because of course the memory card in my phone, fo- in my, I didn't have a smartphone. And my camera was so small that I had to dump the photos every day that I took on that trip because I took so many pictures. What ended up happening is I went back and I, I usually would just like, dumped them all on my computer, but there's this one picture that I knew stood out. It was just as we were getting off the subway to our hotel, two women in classic, traditional Japanese outfits on one side walking away, and two in, you know, modern, modern wear. And I turn around, snap the shot, and back in the hotel room, and I can't sleep. I start making something out of it. I didn't have a word for it yet because I didn't know what I was doing i was making art and uh, we have it up on the wall and it's kind of this little meditative thing to look back and be like wow i really wasn't doing well then but i got something i did something you know it's kind of like a you a biology lab and you have a little slide of a, of a sample that you can go and look at and just wonder how does you know how did this happen
1: i think danielle is right Our creative work is like a sample on a microscope slide, and when you look at it closely, you see a fragment of your own experience and timeline. The questions you struggled with, the answers you thought you had, your own potential and limitations. That's why some people, including me, have a hard time both looking at old work and letting go of any part of a project. But a writing teacher told me that her work got better when she stopped feeling like she had to hang on to every single word. I've found that to be true for myself, but to do that, you have to believe that you'll create again tomorrow. If not, it's too risky to let go of any word because it is letting go of part of yourself. So that's why I try to figure out what's going to help me keep creating so I'm not always afraid of losing myself when I cut a paragraph or leave a story for a while. I asked Danielle what advice she's gotten about creativity that's stuck with her.
0: I've had lots of mentors in art. I didn't go to art school. I you know, There's more like the lessons that you pick up that like the, just experientially that you see the people around you, how much you respect them. I've seen people change mediums. I've seen people make the jumps from just one form to another and people don't question. Or, you know, the, the healthiest way of seeing people cope is you, you make a series and that's kind of what I ended up doing. You know, I, I followed a the healthiest patterns I saw the people around me doing which was you could kind of feel when you had gotten through something. It wasn't necessarily you were trying to say something, but you know, trying the thing you were trying to get across and how you were doing at the time are almost always the same, you know, two sides of the same coin. You know, you don't know it till later. But the the fact that people have the bravery to be like, you know, I'm starting to feel this new thing. I think I'm done with this one. I'm gonna put put this book to rest and be ready for the next whatever it is like just seeing that in other people is kind of the best advice I've I've had you know that there's always something new and it, it, it just keep creating you know and it's kind of a you know I'm not really able to voice a good like solid lesson but it's it's basically just that you know if you see your life as a series of series you know that you can have multiple things going on at once and you don't have to be stuck to that one thing you think you're the best at it's it's worth trying something new because it's the only way you're going to keep creating um and evolving as an artist as a person you know it's uh it's the only way to stay healthy because i really wouldn't want to go back what I was doing before, or how I was doing it. Um, I'm glad I made it through it, and I'm glad that it really resonates with people. But uh, I I did that. I survived it. So I I get to move on, too.
1: Thank you. You did, and you do. I think sometimes we can get very stuck in a particular way of doing things or that or out of fear of like I can only do art this way or I can only be this way and I really love how you put it that our life is a series of series not this you know straight line I think that's a lot more realistic way of seeing it.
0: I hear a lot of people who I even those who I do respect you know in their art careers just saying you know it's I make all this art and it's, it obviously, it doesn't, it's not changing the world, so it's not worth it. Or, you know, things are still, I haven't saved everyone, so why, why create anything? My response says, you know, your job's not to save the world. It's just, it's, at best, you can save yourself. If you can do that, you can save other people too. And, uh, you know, just because you're not inspired right now, it doesn't mean you won't be tomorrow.
1: I agree with you. The idea that our art, if it didn't save every, everyone, that it, it was a failure or we shouldn't do it. That idea makes me really sad, actually. I would hate for someone to feel that way about themselves or their art. Or Because you're right, that at the end of the day, no one can save everyone. So if we set that up as the goal for what we do with our creative work, uh, then we are doomed to fail. So, But redefining what we want to do gives us a chance to... See it differently.
0: You got to give yourself space to breathe and save yourself. And if you can do that, you can get through the next thing. And, and I promise, like, that's what I've learned from growing up, you know, especially when you're working with images that are 100 years old. They inspired me. They're long gone. There's no way they'll know that a piece of their art is living in me. And how it's being remixed and retold. And that's true for my part and everyone else's going forward. But it's not selfish. Do it for you. And there's enough humanity in that it's going to inspire somebody else.
1: So before we end, is there any projects or resources, whether it's your own or others, that you would like to share with listeners?
0: Um, as far as my projects, there. are my projects are a little bit on hold, just being a, you know, full time mom right now with a, a real three nager. So I'm having to put my creative skills into things like the day to day uh, goings on uh, of a small person, and teaching her how to take a picture and glue pieces of paper to other pieces <laughs> of paper. So we're we're building up from the ground level here, um, and and trying to stay in touch with my friends who are. Or still crafting away, or or trying to, you know, um, your community will will keep you keep you strong, even when you're not creating, because that's that's not what it's about. It's uh, it's about the people. If there was a an organization, I would definitely plug right now. There's uh, the Trans Lifeline. The Trans La- Lifeline is uh, is a great organization for people who feel like they're not living their life and not living it to their fullest and don't have anywhere to go or anyone to talk to, it's a great first step to building community and finding out that you're not alone. So especially these days where we're all kind of on our own yeah, in our little bubbles, it's important to know that other people care about you even if they don't know you and that you're valid.
1: Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us today. I feel like we've had such an incredible conversation. I really appreciate you sharing your experiences, uh, Danielle, and for, for joining us today.
0: Thank you, Amelia, for, for having this space. This is wonderful.
1: If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support us, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash labthreadpodcast. If you're not in a position to financially support us, you can help out by spreading the word and following us on social media. Stories, concerns, and manifestos can all be emailed to labthreadpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Remember to take care of yourselves and each other. And until next time, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Labyrinth and the Thread.